G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au I couldn't swim properly. I had no idea about an undertow. So I got pulled out and pulled out into cars and the houses on the beach got smaller and smaller. And then a guy came past on a boogie board. So I grabbed his boogie board and, and sort of tried to tell him, take me back. But he, we all both got pulled back outside. So he kicked me in the head. And the last thing I remember was a big foot in my face and I passed out. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Well, last time, Honey Reifler from Sherwood Christian Rehab Center shared her remarkable story. Now it's her husband's turn. John Reifler joins us on the phone from near Coffs Harbor. John Reifler, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Eric. Glad to have you with us. Yeah, we want to hear your story, your side of the story. She said you were born in Switzerland? I was born in Switzerland many, many years ago. Okay, and how old were you when you came over to Australia? Is there a story behind that? I came to Australia when I was 20. I migrated from Switzerland. Well, what happened? My youth, I had a troublesome youth. I came from a good family, Mm -hmm. but I started... And drinking very early, maybe when I was 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I did my apprenticeship at the General Motors, and then I went to to the Army. I did my Army training, but alcohol and crime played a big part of my youth. Well, we, we tried to commit a crime. Well, we, I suppose we did. We held up the express train from Germany to Italy, oh, tried wow. to do a train robbery like Ronald Biggs did, and we thought, oh, well, he got away with some in the million dollars, so we'll, we'll get the postal wagon. And there was five of us, five young guys, mm-hmm. and the train stopped. We stopped the train out, out uh, in town at night, and then when I turned, when the train stopped, all the other four, they got cold feet, and they hopped in the car, and they took off and left me standing there. Oh, wow. And it was it was winter, it was snowing, it was raining, it was sleet everywhere, and I didn't know what to do. So I heard the police cars coming, so I climbed a poplar tree on the side of the road. It's about 20 metres high, mm-hmm. and I couldn't run fast enough, so I climbed this tree about close to midnight, and I'm up this tree. The police was down below, the dogs were walking around, but it was snow and sleet and muddy and uh, just just so I think they couldn't pick up my scent mm. and I'm up on this tree for about two and two and a half hours freezing like anything and I started <laughs> thinking about my life and I thought to myself John if you keep this up you're going to end up in jail for a long time mm. and then when everything quietened down I, I climbed down went home and I thought I've got to do something I've got to do something and then I was coming home on a Saturday night, drunk, and I woke up on Sunday morning and I watched a TV documentary of Australia. Mm-hmm. 
Australia, the land of opportunity, flowing with milk and honey, and the Australian government was looking for migrants. That was in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, 1968 it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, wow, that sounds good. And then I had a statistics came through. There were three females per male. <laughs> and I had this urge, and I thought, I'm needed over there, definitely. So on Monday, I rang up the Australian consulate, and filled in an application form and had to do a criminal record check. But, of course, I didn't have a criminal record, not because I didn't do anything, but I haven't been caught. Mm. And so the Australian government paid $605 towards my world trip. I went, uh, left Switzerland on Geneva, Genoa in, in Italy, by boat through South Africa, and then Perth, Melbourne and Sydney. But I had a bit of a hiccup on the boat between uh, Perth and Sydney. Um, there was 1,600 migrants on the boat, mm-hmm. 400 uh, sailors. They were all from, most of them from England, a few from Switzerland, a few from all over Europe who migrated. And I was drunk that night at the bar and one bloke started to hassle me. And so I picked up uh, uh, one of them heavy square ashtrays, glass mm-hmm. ashtrays, and I threw it at him and he ducked. And it hit the bar and the mirrors behind the bar with all the bottles hanging on the wall there. Mm-hmm. And everything came crashing down. And so next morning, the immigration officer came to see me and he said, John, you are no longer free to roam around Australia. You have to go to a detention centre. And I said, OK, OK. And he said, if there's one more incident, you go back home. You'll send you back. And then we arrived in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And a Swiss friend that I used to work with, at the General Motors in Switzerland, he then came up the gangplank and the officer was watching me at the, uh, uh, from the deck mm-hmm. and he kept watching me to make sure I was going on one of the Greyhound buses down below. There were six or eight buses lined up down below mm-hmm. and he told me to go bus number two and I yelled back, number two, number two, uh, pretending I'm going there. And my friend comes up the gangplank and he says, come on, come on. And I said, don't talk to me. Turn around, park your car in front of the bus, number two, and we'll go. Don't talk to me, don't look at me. And so he did. He went up the top, turned around, went down, parked his car on the side of the bus where they couldn't see me from the deck, and we hopped in, and that was it. And so I never went to a detention centre. I was supposed to go to Bonagilla, oh, wherever that was. All this was to avoid going to a detention centre. That's all. I just, yeah, I was basically avoided detention mm-hmm. centre and then I stayed in Sydney, mm-hmm. got a job, got there on Sunday, got a job on Wednesday at Muir's Motors in, in, in Sydney mm-hmm. and there I was. And then I thought, I'll start a new life. I'll, I'll get going again. Mm-hmm. No drinking, nothing. Didn't work. Started going to nightclubs and partying, working, partying, working and I just, thought to myself, well, there's got to be more to life. Then we went swimming mm-hmm. uh, at Maroubra, mm-hmm. and I nearly drowned. I couldn't swim properly. I had no idea about an undertow. So I got pulled out and pulled out, and the cars and the houses on the beach got smaller and smaller. And then a guy came past on a boogie board, so I grabbed his boogie board and, and sort of tried to tell him, take me back, because I was drowning. And he tried to paddle me back onto the beach, but he, we all both got pulled back outside. Mm. So he kicked me in the head. 
And the last thing I remember was a big foot in my face and I passed out. Oh, wow. And then while I was in the water unconscious, I was saw myself in a big air bubble and I saw the fish and everything go past. And total silence. And then a deep voice came and said, in my language, Jean-Pierre, the gosh in the Valoni Evicate. In other words, Jean-Pierre, you are going to a lost eternity. And then my whole life, all my criminal activity flashed past me in my mind like a video or a DVD. And this is before video and DVDs. How about that? Eh? <laughs> and then uh, I woke up on the beach and they talked about hospital and I heard hospital and I said, no hospital, no hospital. I couldn't speak English. Mm. So the boys took me home and for three days I was in absolute mental agony. I didn't know what to do. I was confused. And I heard this, this voice all the time, God, God, God. And I said to my friend, what's life all about? And he said, oh, listen, what's the problem? And I said, I can hear God all the time, you know? And he mm. said, you better pray. And I said, listen, prayer is for old women and kids. I don't pray for no one. Next day I asked him again and I said, look, Give me something a bit more concrete, you know, than just praying and stuff. Mm. And he said, read your Bible. And I said, I don't want to read the Bible. That's just, it's just not for me. And then it was Saturday night. We all going out to the nightclubs. I was so sick, Eric. I couldn't. Mm. I, was, I had a bleeding stomach ulcer. I was sick as a dog. I weighed 47 kilos. Wow. And I couldn't go. Did you ever find out how you managed to go from way out in the ocean to being on the beach? No, that, that, that Surf Lifesavers picked me up. Oh, okay. So you were rescued. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. The yeah. Surf Lifesavers, I don't know how they happened, but they, they pulled me in on a rope. Oh, okay. This is what they told me afterwards. Yeah, They pulled yeah. me in on oh, a okay. rope, and, yep. and then they tried to revive me on the beach, and I came good. Hmm, okay. And then, uh, so I prayed, and then I thought, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And mum forced me to take a Bible. Now, I come from non-Christian parents, but my mother was a strong Catholic, and she said, take a Bible. I said, Mom, I'm going to Australia. I don't want a Bible. She said, take it. It's like a good luck charm, like a talisman, you know? Anyway, so I took it anyway because I didn't want to disappoint my mother with packing my bags and everything. Mm -hmm. yep. And then uh, I just picked it up and I was just reading it. I don't know what I read, but it was amazing. Mm. I just understood for the first time in my life who Jesus was, what he came to do, and that he loved me and forgave me. And then I thought, oh, I better pray. Mm -hmm. So I'm lying on the bed. I'm thinking, how can I pray? I don't know how to pray. So I remembered five different prayers that I'd seen in movies. Mm. Hands folded, kneeling, standing, prostrate on the bed, on the floor. And I just remembered some prayers from the movies. And so I thought, oh, well, I didn't know which one had worked, so I prayed all five prayers. Mm. And all I said, God, if you're there, I am useless. I am no good for nothing. Uh, I'm just, I'm lost. Mm. If you can use me, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. I will ask no questions. I will do whatever you ask me to do. I'll give you my life's lock, stock and barrel. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I finished. And guess what happened? What happened? Nothing. Hmm. Nothing. And then I thought to myself, 
I knew, I knew it, I knew it. It's a whole lot of rot. My father was right. My father always told us as kids, God was invented by man to make money. Mm. And I, I went with that. And I was very depressed and I felt down and I felt rejected. And that went on for about 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, a hot flame started on the bottom of my feet while I was lying on the bed. Mm. And it moved up my body very slowly, about four inches apart, you know, four inches wide. It's mm. like a really hot flame. I didn't see a flame, but it felt like it. Went straight up my body, past my head, and I collapsed on the bed, and I cried, and I cried. I don't know how long, 10 minutes or two hours, I have no recollection. Mm -hmm. And I went to sleep. And Eric, the next morning, I woke up a new man. I have never touched alcohol, never committed a crime, never touched a woman that wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. I totally had a born-again experience. And I believe it was because I totally come to the end of my life and I totally surrendered. Our guest today is John Reifler, husband of our guest last time, Hani Reifler. Together, they're the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Center near Coffs Harbor in New South Wales. As we've been hearing today, John is sharing his story and how he became a Christian in Australia after growing up in Switzerland. Next, we'll hear John's side of the story of how he met and married Hani. That's all coming up when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today our guest is John Reifler. He's the husband of our guest last time, Honey Reifler, and together they're the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Center near Coffs Harbor. Now, before the break, John shared how he gave his life to the Lord after he nearly drowned while swimming. Now, he's going to share what happened next in his life. And then we went to the Royal Easter Show in 1969. That was a week after, or two weeks after, mm-hmm. uh, my incident. And there was a, a stand, like a, a stand that says Catholic Missions, Mechanics Wanted. And I said to my friend, let's go to New Guinea, we'll go and help them. He said, what do you want to go to New Guinea for? And I said, you know, God saved my life. He says, I better put in an appearance somewhere, I owe him one. <laughs> and he said, okay, okay. So we went for an interview and we applied and we had to go to this monastery. And I'd never been to a monastery before and I saw this. Mm big sign outside it said pull cord for a bell you know mm-hmm. and there was a hundred foot long hallway and you could see the rope going along the hallway and it went around the corner so I yanked on this big rope till I could hear the bell and then this monk comes out dressed with a brown hood and a, a white rope around his stomach mm-hmm. and I said to my friend oh my friend said man they're Catholics forget it they're Catholics and I said listen who cares God is God let's go and so we applied, we got accepted to go there, and we ended up, well, I quit my job, he quit his job, and 
we hopped in the car and we were going to go to Darwin. Mm-hmm. We got to Cross Harbour, we met some Swiss people, and he was a farmer, a banana farmer, and he said, look, do you boys want to help me build a shed for a week? And I said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do it. So we're trying to build this shed, and we had to put a big beam up, the centre beam for the shed. It was about six metres long. And the farmer stood on a 44-gallon drum on one end, and we stood on the back of the Land Rover on the other end of the log, and we both lifted up that log. And the farmer yelled out, back, back, back a bit. We had to go back about another foot because we were too close Mm -hmm. to the wall. Mm -hmm. And my friend stepped into fresh air. He stepped off the back of the Land Rover, and I couldn't hold the weight, and the beam came down crashing. The farmer fell off the 44-gallon drum, I stayed on the Land Rover, but the log hit my, my friend and squashed him. Oh, wow. So we turned blue almost instantly. So we put him in the car and took him straight to Coffs Harbour Hospital. And there they had an emergency operation. They opened up his stomach, pulled everything out, put it all back. He had very little internal injuries. And we were stuck there then for three, four months because he couldn't move. He had a 16-inch big scar on his stomach. Mm. And that was my experience. And then the farmer comes and says, oh, he says, tomorrow we go to church. And I said, no, no, I got my own religion. I said, forget it. And he comes really close up to my face with his nose right up to my face. And he said, listen, son, you're sleeping in my bed, you're eating my food, you're coming to my church. Hmm. And I got the message. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we went to church. And that Sunday morning, there was a preacher there, I don't know who he was. But he gave an invitation for people to accept Christ. And that was the first time I was in church. And the first time I thought, well, I'll go. And I went forward and I knowingly committed my life to the Lord, Mm -hmm. even though I had already an experience before. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so what happened? I just started working there. We never went to New Guinea. We stayed in Coffs Harbour. I got a job as as a private butler. Of course, I, I then was also a bikey by then. Hmm. I, I had a heavy motorbike. I had a black trench coat, a Nazi German helmet, and you know that's how I went to be. And I went to church. So you were a, a Christian bikey. Well, sort of. I didn't. You know, I hardly knew that I actually was a Christian. You know, I just had nothing to do with church before. Oh, yeah. But that's that's what I did. I just rode a bike and followed the the bikies around to preach the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. And then I, the church invited me, the Methodist church invited me to become a member after 12 months because they said, oh, here we go. I said, 12 months? I'd already applied for membership, but they waited and they said, oh, no, look, he's, he's a bit dodgy. He's only here for the girls. Well, they were partially right. <laughs> I was going to say, they might have been a bit yeah, right no, there. <laughs> they weren't wrong totally, and I didn't tell them that. But yeah. that Sunday I became a member. They asked me to come forward. They yeah. shared communion with me alone, yeah. Yeah. with the elders. Mm-hmm. And then I went to sit down. And there was only one seat left in the whole church. It was about 250 people there. One seat right in the middle. So I got up there, edged myself into the middle, and I was just about to sit down. And this young woman stands up and shakes my hand. And she said, praise the Lord. I shook her hand, and I looked her up and down two or three times, and I said, praise the Lord. Good looking girl. <laughs> anyway, that was on Sunday. And then on Sunday morning, Sunday night, she came to church again. Then I talked to her till one o'clock in the morning outside the church. 
leaning up against her parents' car, and her parents walked home because they we were too we were too slow. Mm. And then on Monday, I asked her to share her testimony, and I said, uh, because I promised God I will never marry a dud. And what I meant is, Lord, I don't want a church girl. I want a girl that loves you and that is that is a born-again Christian. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, can you share your testimony with me? And she asked and she says, what is a testimony? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, myself a dud. She doesn't know what a testimony mm-hmm. is. And then I thought, well, she's good looking. I'll give her another chance. And I said <laughs> to her, just tell me how you found Jesus. And then she said, oh, that's easy. I found Jesus in Japan when I was trying to be Buddhist and Shintoist. Hmm. And she had just come back from Japan on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Yeah. I met her on Sunday, and then I was satisfied on Monday that she was the born-again Christian. Mm-hmm. So on Wednesday, I asked her to marry me. I went home and I said, Lord, what do you think about her? And I, you know, I, I didn't get a, a red light, so I asked her to marry me on Wednesday, and she said no. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, honey, do you belong to the Lord? Are you born again? She said, yes, yes, yes. I said, you can't say no. I said, this is a life-important decision. You need to go and pray about it, and I'll come and see you tomorrow. I said, you need to ask God for the decision, not just you off the head. Hmm. And so, so we parted company, and then the next day, I was working on seven acres of bananas at the time. I was three o'clock. I knocked off. I splashed brute liberally all over, like what it says <laughs> under the open bottle, and rocked up, and I said, what about it? She looked at me. You're such a romanticist. <laughs> <laughs> and she burst into tears, and I said, oh, great, good. And uh, I said, that's it. So that was in September, and we got married in February, actually. Next week, I'll be married 48 years. Wow. Fantastic. So six children and 20 grandchildren. Of course, the person you're talking about who just came back from Japan was Hani Reifler. That was Hani. Yep, yep. And that's how it all began. And, and that's how it all began. And then uh, we both resigned our jobs. I was a private butler. She worked as a, as a nurse's aide at the hospital. We bought a combi bus, an old combi bus. I fixed it up, and we were going to go to Europe and introduce my wife, my new wife to my parents. So we, we drove to Perth, and there we are going to ship the car over to India and then go that way. Mm-hmm. But we never got there. We got to Perth, and then God directed us to go to Derby, to the Aboriginal Mission, and there we worked at the Aboriginal Mission for a while. And then I became the pastor of the Aboriginal Church, the Noongar Church. And Honey did her occupational therapy training in Perth. And then before we got married, we both asked the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't want to mow lawns every Saturday and watch colour telly. I want to spend my life on you. And God gave us a vision, both of us individually, to start a drug rehab because I was running around every day after work in my combi bus, picking up teenagers, leading them to the Lord Mm -hmm. uh, and starting Bible studies and bringing them to church. But I had to palm all these drug addicts off to different families in the church because I I, I couldn't have anybody at home where I was. Mm -hmm. I was that private... uh, a private butler for him, a company director, and there was no room in his house to have, you know, those sort of people there. Mm-hmm. And then God gave us a vision to start a drug rehab, and we waited and waited, and we looked everywhere. And so when we got to Perth, 
we stayed there and I was the pastor there for five and a half years and we just prayed and prayed and I said, Lord, take this thing out of my head. If this is not of you, take it out of my head. If it is, can you please show me what, mm-hmm. whether I'm on the right track with yeah. this rehab thing. Yeah. And I had breakfast and I opened my Bible in, in the Old Testament and right there it was when I questioned God, is this of you? Did you tell me to do this rehab or what? And there it was, the man of my purpose from a far country. Surely I have spoken it. Surely I will bring it to pass. Go to the east coast, to the coastlands of the sea, and proclaim the name of the Lord. Wow. Wow, it nearly blew me away. Isaiah 48. Somewhere in 48. And then God gave me another word in chapter 24 afterwards to go to the east coast, to the coastlands of the sea. On the basis of that, we sold our house and we moved to Coffs Harbour. Well, that was the first part of my conversation with John Reifler, who, along with his wife, Hani, are the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Center near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Today, John shared the events in his life leading up to the opening of their drug rehab center. Next time, John will continue the story and tell us how the land and materials for the center were miraculously provided. All that more is coming up next time right here on Real Faith as we hear more of John Reifler sharing his story. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.